Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm very good, Darren. I'm, I'm, I'm quite good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. We've been having some unseasonally hot weather here, so I've been having a great deal of difficulty sleeping. Um, so if I, I am a little bit off this week, I just want listeners to be to have a heads up, to be aware. I'm maybe not functioning at peak, Darren. No, I I, I think like, I actually slowed down as we were introduced, as I was introducing. I like started revved up, and I was like, <laughs> no, I don't have the energy for this. I like this. I I like when you say that you're not feeling well because you know when you ask somebody how they are and they say good, yeah, and and you sense like. Is that all surface? <laughs> but, <laughs> but when they say I'm quite tired and I'm I'm not at my best, it's like now we're definitely getting something authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means that when I say I'm actually fine, it means I'm fine. That which is good. It sets a nice baseline mm. there. Uh, I do note that normally you say you're quite fine. I don't think you've ever said you're tired, uh, which is great. <laughs> well, I, I I I've just woken up. <laughs> yeah, you I, do nap a lot before we start. I do admire that about you when you when we're podcasting. I just yeah. like wake me up when we're about to start. I nap a lot I, generally. Like that's the, fair. The, you occasionally nap during movies as well. Mike Tyson used to nap before fights, and he he's not he's not a role model or anything, but he was very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't nap before the other stuff he did, and maybe that was perhaps part of the problem. That was when he hadn't had a nap. Um, yeah, um, sorry. You do know, have, you, have you heard that there's a, a new t- uh, TV show coming, Mike, starring uh, Trevant Rhodes from, Midna- from Midnight, or Moonlight, sorry. I have not. Um, um, it's see- from the team behind the uh, recent Pam and Tommy series, behind the I, Tonya. Um So yeah, it's... Uh, that's oh, another well. tease for we will be doing barbed wire at some point this summer when I manage to get that organized. I, but yes, I was listening to something today or yesterday about kind of Norm Macdonald was asked like, "What's it like working with Mike Tyson?" And he says, "Oh, yeah, Mike Tyson got asked the same question like, what is it like working with Norm Macdonald?'" And he was like, "I, I have I've never met Norm." They just they were just in the same show, but like they record in a studio and he records in his Las Vegas mansion. Oh, is this the Mike Tyson Mysteries or whatever it was, the Adult Swim show that he hosted? Exactly. As it was. Where Norm Macdonald played a pigeon. And... <laughs> um, all right. As we've taken a surprisingly long amount of time to get to, the movie that we are covering today is J-Bim, which is the... 2021 Tamil Indian cinema kind of movie that was released on Amazon Prime in November. It has become a genuine cultural sensation. Uh, It was, according to Twitter, the fourth most tweeted about movie last year. It was the most popular searched movie on Google in India last year. It was IMDb's most popular Indian movie of the year. It was named one of the best films of the year by a variety of Indian publications. Letterboxd ranked it 15th position in the highest rated international, that's non-English language, films of 2021. It even got featured in the Academy Awards earlier this year in the segment Seen at the Academy. It is a genuine cultural phenomenon. How many of those tweets about 
this movie are are, are bots. And I, I remind you, you are under oath. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I can't break that down. Somebody read that cover story about the Snyder Cut, I'm guessing, where 13% of all tweets about the Snyder Cut allegedly came from bot accounts, um, which was fascinating. It's really great. Like part- It was Cyborg. <laughs> just himself. He was done rearranging the world economy and was just like, I'm going to tweet about the Snyder Cut. Well, uh, I mean, again- <laughs> You're going to give someone $32,000 <laughs> and, and, and tweet like 15,000 uh, times. But I mean, again, not to go down a rabbit hole on this because we are supposed to be talking about Jay Bim. Oh. But I do love, I do love that, again, because we're recording and releasing, we are incredibly tight. Our release schedule is incredibly tight. So we are recording and releasing the week this is coming out. There's no, there is time, no time to waste. waste. He's Darren's says he goes off another tangent but i i, I do <laughs> love time. that like warner brothers decided to mark the release of the snyder cut on digital where you can finally buy it from you know movies anywhere google play wherever you're going to buy it in the states it's no longer just available to stream on hbo max but it's something that like people have been clamoring for or whatever it's been something they've been long anticipated there have been questions about when they're going to do it they finally release it and literally on the day that warner's releases that move that movie to buy online digitally they also release a piece in Rolling Stone where pretty much the entire Warner Brothers senior management talk about how they were cajoled and forced at almost gunpoint into releasing that movie, which is great. I absolutely love a good publicity campaign with a studio releasing the movies like we we never really wanted to do this. We were made to do this by the Internet. Well, it's an interesting thing because like, I mean, ideally you would have artists, you know, making decisions, but in like. It's generally kind of, you know, studio executives who know nothing. And like that William Goldman quote, yes. But now now it's like fans who who, um, who just, you know, they want, want all that candy. <laughs> um, all right then. But yes, let's talk a little bit about Jay Bim then, the movie that we are nominally here to discuss. But yeah, it's a movie that has been kind of it came into the list pretty much immediately on release last year. It I was kind of wondering would we maybe get to avoid covering it? Because as we mentioned, back in early March, there was kind of a, a restructuring of the list, which downplayed or removed a lot of the Indian movies that had been featured on the list. J-Bim is interesting in large part because it still remains. Now, it is not at its peak position, which was, I believe, somewhere around 103 back in November, shortly after its release. It is currently around 249. It's near the bottom, but it's holding steady there. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I was kind of antsy about covering this one, and it was only when a former guest of the show, who shall remain nameless, just said, Darren, when are you finally going to talk about J-Bim? So when you said, let's do one of us, the two of us together after a guest dropped out, I was like, yep, yeah, sure, let's talk about J-Bim. But I am very nervous about this because I knew nothing about the movie before we watched it. And as I watched it, I was like, wow. Maybe this is something that I shouldn't be talking about because I don't necessarily understand the intricacies of the culture that it's set in. So I am quite antsy about talking about JBIM. Same. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let me set your a, mind at ease, Darren. <laughs> what, a, what a note this is. So yes, very, very quickly, uh, just in terms of introduction, in terms of like four listeners who maybe may not be aware of JBIM, who may not have heard of JBIM, uh, yeah, who may not be familiar. Is it... I guess I I don't think either of us know, but is it J Bim, or is it Jai Bim? It may be Jai Bim. Okay, let's just say Although it's it, either one. Or it is spell. It is spell. It, there are alternative spellings of it that spell it like J, short for Jason. Oh. Um. 
But I don't know. Yes, none of us know. And as usual, I apologize in advance for all the mangling of, of every word I, that I am going to... I don't think they say the words Jive Vim in the movie. Or do, or do they? Because they, 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 Jive Vim is a... Um, it's like a salutation that was... It's like Heil Bim. Yes. Which was given to, to Bimrao Ramji Ambedkar. He was one of the kind of Indian founding fathers. Um, they make reference to him later on in the movie. He, he, he was like a jurist, an economist, um, a social reformer. Helped write the, the Indian constitution. Really impressive guy, actually. He, um, you know, went off and got all these degrees and then like at the bar at Gray's Inn. Columbia University, London School of Economics and places like that as well. Exactly. Columbia University, sorry. Incredible. Yes, right, yeah. yeah. And like, again, founding father of of kind of Indian jurisprudism and kind of like a figure who was usually influential in terms of critiquing the Indian caste system. He did a lot for the Dalit rights. Um, And again, I don't know if the term, the term is probably offensive, but to non- uh, Indian people or to people who are not aware of the intricacies of the caste system, that was the class that was formerly known as the untouchable class, um, the class that was seen as being particularly low. So you had people like uh, Ambedkar arguing for like political rights and social freedoms of the Dalits. And so uh, J. Bim became something of a salutation to him, but also to his political ideology. And this is where I kind of need to be a little bit careful when we talk about this movie because one of the interesting things about this movie is that despite using that particular salutation tied very much to that individual jurist what it seems to be doing we can maybe talk about this when we talk about what the movie's about is it seems to be taking that salutation trying to make it a bit more intersectional in that it's trying to apply the term not just to the Dalits but to other marginalized groups within Indian culture in particular in the Tamil uh, region which is I believe the southeast corner of of India that's right it's like Chennai it's it's it's, um it's east of oh god I'm blanking is it Kamala the um Anyway, sorry. Tamil Nadu, I believe, is the name of the regions. Exactly. It's it's um, it's close to Sri Lanka. uh, Lanka. Yes, yes. Um, And again, in this case specifically, it's referring to tribal groups known as the uh, Irulars. And again, they suffered very, very similar um, kind of very, very similar restrictions, very similar prejudices that have been imposed on them. And I mean, again. To pick one example, uh, when the British occupied uh, India, they imposed the Criminal Tribes Act, which was include which included in their schedule a criminal tribe. Any member of one of those criminal tribes above the age of sixteen years was required to register at a police station. Meaning that whenever a crime took place in that region, the investigation would open up this list of men who belonged to criminal tribes, and they would be primarily targeted in the investigation. Now, while that law was repealed. There was this association that kind of remained with those tribes, and so they were seen very much as kind of scavengers, criminals, outlaws, people who were untrustworthy. Um, And again, this movie is very particularly based on one particular instance. Um, It is inspired by the life, and I apologize for this, but of Chandru... Krishnaswamy, um, or or kind of the Justice Chandru, um, who was a lawyer who went on to become a justice um, in in India. He was known as a huge proponent of kind of civil rights, and we'll include lots of lots of show notes, lots of interviews with him, lots of discussions of his legacy. But he was a big advocate 
for civil rights for marginalized groups. Again, he saw himself as a follower um, of Anne Begkar, um, the figure who inspired the salutation that is used as the title of this movie. And Shandru in particular uh, fought a case, and this is based on a real-life case. I believe it happened in 1994. Uh, it is based was around... It, sorry, Was it 93? Oh, okay. It was, it was the early 90s anyway. Um, but it was inspired by the true story of Parvati Amal, who is a woman whose husband was abducted by the police and who was not... It was Shosh in 93. It was, it was the 94 awards season. <laughs> um, Sorry. But yes. Um, but yes, so it was basically... Um, it was that story of her husband was arrested by the police, taken into custody, and her attempts to force the police to acknowledge what had happened to him. Uh, she ended up consulting Shandru. Uh, Shandru represented her in court, made a very famous argument, made a very launched a very famous case that exposed uh, some horrible, horrible things that have been happening in the police force to these indigenous communities, um, and basically, you know, is is one of the cornerstones of kind of a movement for the rights of these tribes uh, in Indian culture. And again, the film is directed by T.J. Uh, and I apologize for this, Ganaval, um, who is. A former journalist, he was inspired to make the movie uh, when 15 years ago he interviewed Shandrew and asked Shandrew about the case that he was most proud of, the case that he felt was his most important legacy. He was interviewing him for the Tamil weekly magazine Anandu Vikatan days before he was supposed to become a judge. And so Shandrew tells the director this story and he says, look, that's the thing that I did that I'm most famous for, or sorry, the thing that I did that I'm most proud of, or that I think merits the most discussion or is most worthy of attention. And so Ganevel kind of like, st- this story kind of stuck with him. And he decided that he would adapt it into a feature film. Shandru, uh, a famously humble figure, um, notoriously declined when he retired as a judge. He declined a formal retirement ceremony and instead opted for more intimate and private visits with the other judges um, who were serving with him as a way of saying farewell. He didn't want the pomp and ceremony um, of somebody who was leaving office. He felt that that time and that attention could be better devoted elsewhere. He liked the movie, didn't he? Um, I think it, it was complimentary of it. He did. He liked the movie. He declined. The uh, The original proposal for this was that, was that it would be a documentary about him. That was the plan initially, was they wanted to make a documentary about his life, his career, and his influence. And he said, no, that's not really the story that I feel deserves to be told or that I want to be told. And so they said, okay, what if we make an adaptation of this thing that you did? And that will help get the word out. And he apparently felt like that was the best way, or that was the best way to or if they were going to adapt his life that was the best way to do it which i think kind of perhaps speaks speaks highly to him one might argue um but yes so this is is very much kind of a story about a civil rights movement in india um and yeah so just before we jump into this andrew were you at all aware of this movie before i text you and said let's do jbim together not uh, in in the slightest no no, I, 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 I was unaware of this. Um, the only reason why I'm speaking <laughs> uh, uh, about this movie is because I'm 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 the co-host of of, of <laughs> about movies. I mean, you can you can uh, I'll 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 talk about my reaction to the movie. <laughs> I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'll give it its due. We we should be very clear. We are not we are not experts. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's it exactly. I feel like there are probably smarter people talking about this movie or writing about this people and uh, writing about yeah, this no, movie. I guess we and shouldn't I, talk ourselves down, but like we'll, 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 we'll <laughs> manage we'll <do> expectations, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, all right. So b- then, before we kind of start, just any initial reaction to it? Any like your initial reaction, kind of watching it? So this is a two-hour, forty-five-minute movie. We've we've talked about Indian movies on the podcast before. We've mm. covered enough of them that we've I think we've started to get a little bit of a feel to them, where we kind yeah. of we expect the rhythms and structures of them. And I mean, you know, it spoils very little. I think when we talked about Racha San earlier this year, I was like, it's an Indian serial killer musical, and you were you made the point very astutely. Well, look, it's it's an Indian popular movie. Do you need to attach the word musical to it? But yes, this is also a kind of a musical film. How did you feel kind of watching this in terms of approaching it as having seen a couple of Indian films? How did, did it did it stand out from the crowd? Did it feel more yeah. or less Western or I I broke it up and I actually broke it up quite a bit. And it might just be because I'm a sleepy boy, but also because <laughs> I've um like I've seen other Indian movies that were quite long, so maybe I had that kind of a bias, whereas this is much shorter than like um, the previously mentioned uh, Snyder Cut, or it's shorter than, I think, Avengers Endgame, or those sorts yeah. of movies, which I didn't kind of go to sleep halfway tr- through. Although I think I did get a migraine during one of Yes, you, you, you did get a migraine during, I think it was Endgame, was it pummeled you into submission? Or was it yeah. Infinity War? One of those two pummeled <laughs> you into submission. I think so. I, they, like... We got a taxi back, and I, I, yes. I think I recorded with my eyes closed, lying down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it was one of those episodes where I was very glad I had a guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, you know what? And I, I, yeah, I just got a similar feel to it. I, I was kind of again. I found it hard going. Did you? Did this, you? This one, yeah, uh, J Bim. No, I found it. This is interesting, and again, this is the thing where. Like Rachasan, I'm going to admit that I'm probably thinking about this movie in the least interesting possible way of thinking about it, which is that when I was watching it, I felt oddly nostalgic. It, it's it's kind of, and again, this I worry that this is, you know, that story you hear where like a guy watches his first movie um, and decides that every movie is like that movie. But it's like what we talked about Lagan once upon a time in, in uh, India, and I was like... This feels like a classical kind of MGM old-fashioned musical, even though it was made in, what, 2001. It has that kind of old-style kind of feel and texture to it, and that's what I really connect to. And we talked about Ratchasan, and I was like, okay, this feels like a 90s serial killer movie, except it was made in, what, 2016, 2018, um, and obviously is filtered through the lens of Indian cinema. Watching this... Sorry. Did we watch Once Upon a Time in India? We did. We watched Lagan. Uh, with Babu and uh, Giovanna. Was that Once Upon a Time in India? Yes, Lagan. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> we haven't seen Gangs of Wasipur. No, no. We were supposed no, to do Gangs no, of Wasipur, and then the pandemic happened. Um, okay. Like that was, I think that was literally the weekend that the pandemic happened, uh, Gangs of Wasipur. And it's like, if we watched Gangs of Wasipur, by the time it was finished, the pandemic would have been over. Um <laughs> I remember you and I had a had a had an argument over tw- over text message about whether or not we were going to do a two parter on it, or whether we were going to watch all like six hours of it or seven hours of it, however long it is, and then just discuss it in one mammoth sitting. 
Um, I think you were like, I want this list done. I want the podcast finished. I still harbor some hope that this task can be completed. And I was like, <laughs> I also want, I also don't want to watch a seven hour movie in one sitting, please. Um, but yes. Um, so we, we did do Lagan. Um, and I mean, here watching it, I don't know if I'd describe it as hard going, but it, it reminded me a lot of like mid nineties. American kind of movies about like racism uh, and in particular like courtroom movies about racism. I'm thinking of movies like say A Time to Kill for example. It reminded me a lot of that. Movies like say The Chamber would be another example. Movies like Amistad. Amistad? Yes, oh. exactly. Exactly. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, where we went. A Time to Kill? Did you say A Time to <laughs> I, Kill? I, I Mississippi said, Burning. Yeah. The, well, Mississippi Burning is, is an investigation but yeah, it had that kind of vibe. Like that kind of late 80s, early 90s, it's going to star Gene Hackman or Matthew McConaughey kind of vibe to a movie like this, uh, which is a movie that doesn't really exist anymore in American cinema. I think Just Mercy is probably the closest we've had in recent years. And it's kind of interesting. But did, did, did those kind of movies deserve to die? <laughs> Do you hope they burn in hell? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. McConaughey. Um, <laughs> the that, defense uh, rests, Your, your Honor. Um, that, that, was, uh, that, that was Samuel L. Jackson, I think. Samuel Jackson was the man being accused. McConaughey was his lawyer. Yeah, exactly. And I thought McConaughey was the one who made the argument that maybe maybe they deserve to die. Um, but yes, but... Um, my, my, my argument, though, is like coming to this, watching it, it felt oddly old fashioned in that way. In the same way that like I was watching Ratchasan, I'm like, this is the 90s serial killer movie that has died in Hollywood cinema, except maybe the little things. And now it's been re- I'm rewatching kind of like a, a foreign or Indian version of this, which is playing off those tropes. But yeah, I, I, I did. I don't. I didn't necessarily love this movie to put my hand, my cards on the table here. Mm. I kind of, I admired it and I respected it. And I think it was doing something that was good. And there were parts of it that I quite responded to. But there were also a sense that this movie maybe, and it's odd, as you said, this is shorter than many of the Indian movies that we've covered on this list. It is shorter than many of the non-Indian movies we have covered on this list. But I was watching it thinking this does not need to be two hours and 45 minutes long. It's like 40 minutes before they introduce Shandru as a character, mm. uh, roughly, before they, the actual protagonist of the movie played by the title build character and the producer, sorry, title build actor and the producer um, actually show up. And I get that that's a, a large part of that is like establishing the humanity of these characters in this community, of establishing the humanity of the victims of this crime and injustice. Which I like, but yeah. there's a part of the movie that I... Um, did enjoy was the that kind of establishing um first kind of third of the movie i guess yeah um but i do think it hurts the moment it hurts the pacing and the momentum i think it is something that makes the movie feel long because you're with hmm. them for a very long time and then suddenly they're not the protagonist anymore and i get structurally why that's the case if you're making a movie about how powerless these you know this community is how disenfranchised this community is that if you're making that point you have to illustrate that by showing that they rely on other groups for protection that is not always afforded to them but i also feel like it it does drag the movie a little bit it feels like the movie stops and restarts at a certain point um perhaps 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, to put my cards on the table, maybe didn't love this one. So I guess three questions before we jump into the spoilers on, to get us started. So Andrew, do you think J-Bim uh, or J-Bim belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, I, I suppose I'm, I'm reluctant to say that it doesn't because just because I didn't get something doesn't mean that it's bad and it's certainly wordy. So I can't like, uh, object too strongly to to it being on on the list. Um, I um, don't know if it's. Um, I don't I, personally. I didn't feel like it was good enough to be on the list. But um, it it's a movie that has its admirers, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how about yourself, Darren? And for myself, I find this kind of interesting because this feels like the inverted version. Again, again, this is a thing where like, I worry I sound like I'm exoticizing uh, Indian cinema because I don't have as deep a familiarity with it as I do with Hollywood. But it felt like I kind of imagine what something like Green Book or, you know, um, The Help, for example, might look like if somebody who has no real knowledge or understanding of American culture were to look at those texts, which are very earnest attempts to deal with social issues and to delve into them in a way that is sincere and perhaps in some ways kind of clumsy. Because we, we should acknowledge, and again, not an expert in this, not speaking with any authority or anything like that, but it is worth noting that some of the criticisms of the movie are that it indulges in what might be called a cast savior narrative. And the, the term savior narrative comes up quite a bit in conversations uh, on Indian cultural websites, for example, the News Minute, uh, the Hindu, uh, when talking about this film. In fact, the the director um, has, has kind of actually had to field questions about whether or not uh, J-Bem is a, a savior narrative by virtue of being a movie largely about a member of an upper of the upper caste who has to come and help those disadvantaged, those outsiders, uh, and whether or not that kind of like softens the edges of its criticisms of the caste system. Um, and I do like those are the same criticisms that we talked about when we talked about something like, say, Green Book or or something like, say, The Help. I would argue. I I I'm I'm not I'm not crazy about that criticism. sort of arg- argument or um, criticism. Because part 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 of part of this book is uh, sorry part of this film, and the kind of um, a minor point of this film is about literacy, and uh, the vulnerability of uh, their tribe comes from not just kind of a lack of um, social status or um, um, economic. Wealth. It's also kind of a, a you know a, a lack of uh, knowledge, literacy, like the 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 ability to um, to access um, information and to navigate services these systems. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that and, and that that's um, a position that's uh, sustained yeah. and maintained by 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 the system in place. So while it might. Perhaps it would be a more inspiring story if if the um, if one of these kind of um, uh, you know um, rash or snake catchers had been a barrister 
um it, it's it's not it's not the mo- it doesn't really kind of the the reality is is that their their opportunities aren't kind of there and that they need it would seem it would, like like and and, and it I think it also um marginalizes the role of um of Sangani and her um part in um uh, fighting for justice because they did the the kind of you could tell the story and say that it's a, a a kind of a lawyer yeah or you could say that it's the story of a wife who's um uh, in her search and that is the story is is um is uh, is singani's story so it did I, 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 and 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 her search for justice, but also to 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 access services um, that are being denied um, to to um, to her. And, and we should note. Oh, sorry. We should note, by the way, that the film. Oh, sorry, that the film did also like it donated heavily to things like, say, the Aruler Trust for Education as well. Dude. That it made sure. Yeah, it made very very sure. Uh, that the, the the woman whose story inspired this, uh, who is uh, Parvita Amal, who is still campaigning for social justice causes within India, was properly compensated for her story as well, that they weren't exploiting it or whatever. So I think, yeah, just just it, that is worth noting as well when we talk about that. To be, to be clear. Yeah. And I mean, what do you make of that criticism? I don't know. I mean, again, this is the thing where I don't necessarily... Like, this is the thing where I look at something like, say, Green Book, for example, um, or something like The Help, and I look at them and I go, these are... And we we had this conversation when we talked about Green Book, where it's like, would a gritty, hard-hitting, grounded, kind of, like, almost indie-style look at uh, the ruler kind of class work or kind of appeal or break out in the way that something like this has this has become a genuine cultural phenomenon a general international success story it has the sony pictures logo at the front it is on the imdb 250 is a massive commercial success it is a cultural phenomenon in india and i look at something like say whatever criticisms you might make of say uh, the help or whatever criticisms you might make of say green book for example which is a movie i personally have some criticisms of and i feel like i'm on firmer ground making those criticisms of green book i do think that it works because it's a movie that like my gran or my granddad or my mom and dad will watch and will kind of think about and have a reaction to and it will reach yeah. them in a way that something like moonlight maybe wouldn't yeah i've never been comfortable with that kind of uh, line of thinking where it's like there should only be a certain type of anti-racist movie <laughs> it's like why not just have all sorts all of, of them the, the rich yeah yeah i i think the issue is more that it it's the the kind that gets promoted and the kind that gets like like so it's it's like for example you know green book beating out what what did it beat out that year um oh it beat out like black klansman for example and it's, yeah. it's more it's more that like it's great that they're both in the conversation but it's just like having an argument about the right or wrong of yeah. that it's like what it's what do people respond to like well, that's it's the, the oscar that's the circular a, firing squad argument it's like yes but all of these are arguing in the right direction it's just stop arguing amongst yourselves maybe i yeah. don't know but we are two white guys on a podcast so maybe maybe we're not the best people to have these conversations darren says having told andrew that we're covering jbim this is entirely on me. I accept that. Um, but yeah, so I guess like that's the thing is where it's like I 
like yourself, I don't feel comfortable saying it probably doesn't belong on the list, but part of me is also like, I don't know. I mean, it's better than The Help, I guess, is my, my reaction here. Is my the Help's no longer on the list, right? No, The Help got back in as part of that restructuring. Got... Oh, thank God. <laughs> I know, I was worried that we were never going to talk about The Help. Instead, we are never going to talk about The Help. Um, but yes, The Help is currently in there. It's currently ranked number, I think, 230-ish on the list. So there's a good chance it's going to stick around. It got that tasty Jaws bump, Andrew. Oh, it's 248. It's actually directly above uh, the movie that we were talking about today. So I think this is better than The Help. So therefore, I think it's ranked too low on the IMDb 250, I guess. <laughs> All right, Andrew. This should is... be 247. <laughs> That's it, exactly. It's the, I can tell you precisely what number of movie it should be. It should be the 247th best movie of all time. But Andrew, would this be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? Um, no, no, I, I wouldn't uh, put it on that list. For me, it was um, kind of large, large parts of this movie um my own opinion, as I as I say, I found hard going. When you say hard going, do you mean difficult to watch or just not dramatically engaged? Nah, uh, well, both, both. There, there, there is some um, fairly graphic abuse sequences. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty brutal kind of um, well, torture. Uh, torture. Let's call it torture. Um, yeah, yeah but and but there's also an awful lot of weeping, uh, wailing, uh, gurning. Yeah. Uh, keening, gnashing of teeth, and it, it the the movie received kind of notices for like mature kind of sophisticated performances, and um, and while 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 I think while I think Surya is is charismatic and um, I think his performance has a lot of depth. There were there were plenty of people who were recognized in the movie for their acting where where I wouldn't be as I guess generous um, but in 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 praising them um but that's just myself um so no not not my not my own 250 I guess and and how about you Darren yeah I, I feel like it's a, it's a definite no this is probably one of the weaker of the Indian movies that I think we've covered um so far um I think it may even be the weakest of at least the positive um, like the 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 top two fifty uh, Indian movies that we've covered so far, it it just feels again, and and this is the thing where I like I hate using this as a criticism, but it it feels very worthy and very earnest and very like in ways that are valid and worth doing, but it also doesn't have the kind of charm that I think a movie like this needs, or the kind of power i think that a, that a movie like this needs i don't i mean I, I presumably the likes of green book are at least charming no i mean not, I, not, I, I, not that no. we're going to press the comparisons not to, that we're going to press the comparisons to be fair that again yeah. as i said this is this is just my own silly frame of reference but like i i mean yeah like i i think this is maybe a little bit better than green book but i did not like green book at all right i know you like green book more than i did um and i think you found green book charming i i found green book less charming well, i mean <laughs> there were there were parts of it that i really didn't like but yeah. um yeah i think i think i was much more positive yeah um 
And yeah, I think, but it's also, I, I don't know. Again, it feels like it falls somewhere kind of in the middle of all this, where it's, it's not as like raw or powerful as something like, say, I don't know, Schindler's List to pick a, or Hotel Rwanda to pick an example that we yeah. kind of covered uh, on this. Uh, but it's also... Sorry. Presumably it did reach a lot of people in that way. Like, and um, you know, it didn't affect me. Yeah, I didn't find myself crying or feeling for these people the way I ought to. Yeah, um, I mean, like, it's it's worth noting that, like, the chief minister of Tamil Nadu, who I believe is M.K. Stalin, yeah. praised the story saying it occupied his thoughts all night long, for example. Like, that sort of stuff. Like, so this has reached people. As we said, the fourth most talked about movie on Twitter in 2021, which counts for something. You know, it, it, it suggests the movie had real reach and generated real conversations as well, you know? So I'm, you know, I'm not disputing that it worked for other people. I It didn't necessarily work for me. I thought there were parts of it that I, I thought were interesting. I don't know if I was quite as... I don't know if I'd describe watching it as hard going in the way that you did. I think that I was I was generally quite interested in the application of the application of kind of the visual language of, of cinema that I've come to expect from Indian films um, and the way in which they're kind of shot and edited and the rhythms of those films and seeing it applied to a template that I typically and again, I'm always anxious to talk about this because, as I said, white guy, very limited experience of Indian film, very limited experience of non-American, non-English language film. But seeing it applied to a template that I, I traditionally or I kind of associate with earnestness and kind of stoicness and sincerity and kind of stillness and seeing a more dynamic school of filmmaking applied to that and almost like this is a movie about a lawyer that is often shot like it's a blockbuster yeah there's slow motions there's 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 a moment where like the character shandra soundtrack as well the, yeah, the soundtrack is very heavy very on the nose it, it's very bombastic like it spoils very little to say and i know this comes 40 minutes in but the character of Shandru is introduced leading a protest outside a courtroom and you get like a slow motion shot of him bouncing over a guardrail like he's hopping a fence from a low angle like he's Will Smith in Bad Boys. It's like he's jumping out of a yeah, sports car like in Race 3. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. There's a moment like a couple of minutes later where he leaves the courtroom and takes off his robes and he turns a corner in slow motion as he tosses the robe over his kind of forearm and it's like he's like tossing a leather jacket and about to put on a pair of sunglasses while he hops on his motorbike and it's kind of interesting to see that school of filmmaking applied to a story that is is very like very human very grounded very horrific in many ways shapes and forms very socially relevant and very earnest and very sincere and I think that interested me and kept me from feeling perhaps as disengaged as I don't know if that's fair to say you were disengaged, but as as I didn't find it as hard going as you seem to, and perhaps that kind of contrast yeah. tension was why for me. I think I found it, I always found it interesting. I'll agree that that kind of that aspect of packaging, yeah, was 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 an interesting kind of a, a aspect of the movie. It was just the the misery kind of yeah 
like um, I find myself like uh, rejecting so much kind of culture where it's um, where it seems very um, heavy on uh, misery are really egging. As you said, kind of gurning and keening and such. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, not not to, to minimize any of this stuff. Like, um, well, I th- well, I th- like I think I think it's a difficult needle to thread in that like it, it can very easily become melodramatic. And I I understand why when as you as we said, we're doing slow motion, low angle hero shots. We're doing leaping over the fence, as you said, like he's getting out of a sports car in race three. We have the soundtrack that is hitting all of the cues very loudly very directly and very forcefully and then you're layering something that is is horrific and real and based as you know on a true story on something that actually happened in this region uh just you know at this stage what 25 years ago if even or just over 25 years ago um there is a a tendency to push that into the kind of realm of heightened melodrama or even bathos Uh, i i can get i get that I, I definitely, definitely get that. I think if if that's kind of what you're suggesting, perhaps, or is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is uh, for me anyway. All right then, and then before we jump into the spoiler zone, just one more question then: If listeners have not seen JVIM and it is available to stream worldwide on Amazon Prime, um, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? I think there are things to recommend about it. I liked the kind of um, quiet kind of um, pastoral beginnings of of the film. This kind of cut with um, a, a musical number and a, a, a love story that we kind of lose sight of a little bit, I feel. Well, by virtue of losing one of the two people involved in that love story, I think. And then, and then, and then you have what is an enjoyable courtroom drama and a good old-fashioned mystery as well actually like again we'll maybe talk about this when we talk to the the spoiler zone but again i found myself admiring the form of this more than the content and i found yeah the kind of tension between the substance and the form was something that i was never entirely sure what to make of um, yeah, the, the, it's it's interesting because it, it kind of um, I only found out at the end of the movie that it was a true story, because the the way the movie is kind of presented makes you feel, I guess, like it's not, yeah. because it's very melodramatic or because it's very kind of has that kind of conventional showiness that we kind of talked about. Um, yeah, it feels more like Anne Hadoon than it does, like say Dangal, for example. Yeah, which and and like Anne Hadoon is like very much a Coen Brothers black comedy, whereas Dangal is a uh, you know very much a, a true story based around a woman wrestler. And I mean, not that Dangal wasn't showy, but it also wasn't quite as stylized as I think this is in places. Yeah, I'd also say that Surya. Um, I think I've said it before, but I I, I think his performance is very good. Yeah. And I think as a, as a, as maybe a door into kind of finding out more about a either either another part of the world or your own part of the world if 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 you're listening to us from from um, Tamil Nadu you've likely already seen it but if you if, if 
if you haven't and for some reason have we do we we do we do have a decent amount of indian listeners i mean for um especially for indian um podcasts not not a huge amount but um yeah. it yeah it, it, i i think it's a movie worth 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 seeing I I I don't know if I um how strongly I could recommend it but I think there are things to recommend about it. Yeah. And you Darren? I kind of go along the same lines there where like I would recommend it. I was I seen I think I maybe liked it a bit more than you did without actually loving it. Um I don't think I found it a hard going at any real point. I found it kind of just interesting to watch and to process and to try and situate what it was doing and, and kind of how it was doing it. And I think it it's worth watching if you if you are, as you said, at all interested in um, you know, Camille Andu or kind of Indian politics. Um it's it's worth watching if you are kind of looking for I suppose a, a doorway into Indian cinema, if you're very inter if you have a particular preference for like courtroom dramas or or kind of mystery films. It it feels almost again, like I said, like a throwback to the kind of movies that I associate with kind of nineties American cinema that, as you said, you know, maybe did deserve to die. Maybe they weren't the best window <laughs> into tackling I don't know if I said that. Or Matthew McConaughey <laughs> more said. Of a question. Yeah. Um yeah. it was so it was a good point though. Like there there is an argument and like and again, not to get derailed into talking about movies that are not J Bim, but like I think there's a reason why those movies aren't really made that frequently today it's because of kind of like cultural changes and because of more cultural sensitivity like i think that you know the is it uh, daniel destin cretton's just mercy which is a movie from about three years ago four years ago uh which i i loved uh but of course i love it because i'm an old-fashioned kind of like a guy who likes 90s american cinema but it felt like that was an attempt to update that sort of socially conscious like legal drama uh, and again, any number of examples we can point to. We said A Time to Kill, we said Amistad. I mean, I guess you could also throw in something like Dead Man Walking, for example, as well in that, where it's about the death penalty and all this sort of stuff as well. But like Just Mercy recently did something like that, that I, in a way that I thought was interesting and updated it for modern times by trying to make it more, trying to broaden its focus to social issues instead of making it stories of individuals. And I think Jay Bim kind of does something similar as well, where it, it 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 is a movie that is very consciously aware that the problems facing these communities aren't just bad actors. It isn't just that the cops are hilariously um, kind of like comic book racists. It's also the fact that the entire culture around them politically and socially, uh, as you said, puts them at a disadvantage. And I think it does have interesting things to do or say with that template. So if you do like those 90s courtroom dramas, those kind of 90s courtroom dramas that serve as meditations on deeper social issues i think jbim is probably of interest to you at the very least um but in terms of broader recommendations i mean yeah i i don't know if i just recommend it out of the blue if you're looking for something to stick on on a saturday night i think if you are curious about indian cinema if you like those courtroom dramas or if you want to know maybe a little bit more about the social context that this is exploring yes but otherwise i'd be hard pressed to give it a very strong recommendation so that's my very weaselly answer to that question there. Um, all right, so we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. So, Andrew, 
What is JBIM about for you? This uh, question didn't really occur to me <laughs> until just now. <laughs> that you would have to it's answer like this. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do occasionally do do these um, podcasts solo bolo. where we um, <laughs> the solo bonus, <laughs> the the whole down bro down. Um, yeah, it, it's it's about the persistent um, caste system in um, in India and the 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 kind of unfinished business of Indian social justice. It's um, and it it's 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 about this tribal woman's um, search for. Uh, justice i mean i i think i mentioned it's also about education um i think the and the, literacy and the way in which like literacy is often tied to power again like there's that early scene that's that early scene where it's like read the deed and it's like well what what will this do what good does this do if we're never going to own land and then consistently throughout you have this kind of like the presentation of documentation and various things that are key to solving this case you know and there, there's a line of like, learn to read and the rest will come. Yeah. Um, or it might be in a song, actually. But there are these people who are doing kind of useful work. Like they're, they're hunters, and, um, but they're mostly kind of um, uh, catching uh, rats and snakes. It, yeah, it, 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 it reminded me a bit kind of how um, I, well, no. I was going to say how to... Uh, uh, Irish travelers were once kind of tinkers, and that they were kind of that. That's um, people thought of them as kind of you know, yeah, the, the, you know, uh, useful kind of, and um, they were they were they were they were they were they were welcomed kind of into into communities. And now there's a lot of um, intolerance in 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 Ireland of um, of. Yeah, yeah, of 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 the tra- it's it's our kind of I I feel like it's our black mark where we think of ourselves as very kind of enlightened and that. Yeah. But there's so many Irish people who um well, have prejudice yeah. against travelers. And um, will pat themselves on the back for being pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage and and kind of like how a wonderfully liberal Yeah, pro pro migrants yeah. and 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 that sort of thing. But they 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 don't kind of recognize the um domestic. Yeah, yeah. Even it, like they where 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 they say like oh can't they kind of, you know, they where 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 maybe they don't recognize the systemic um uh racism. Yeah. Um in 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 Irish society are the barriers, and that that's not maybe the, like the entire story, but that you can't tell a story without it. Yeah, um, and absolutely, and I mean, and again, it's it's notable here that you have a similar thing where, like, in order to to like live, these people have to migrate. You know, like the husband has to leave to go and to make bricks, like in, in kind of like miles away from home. Again, see, work is seasonal. The idea of again how they're treated, and again, yeah, there's this interesting kind of. Thing that runs through it and again visual storytelling i think it's reasonably well constructed i think it, it has good handling of its themes but you have this idea of kind of the animal metaphor that plays through it where you have the they're introduced like herding the rats at the start which is or you've got rat vision <laughs> and cgi rats she, yeah, sorry yeah you know, yeah you, you don't return to that sort of um 
like they you, you're you're like oh this is uh, <laughs> this is interesting but they 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 it's not um it it's 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 strange it's like tj um Glanoville, um and pardon me as well if i if i've mispronounced his name um or maybe just somebody um like a assistant director or something just really wanted to do that <laughs> That's shocking. but it, it's not it's not kind of like it do, it, it it doesn't feel like it illustrates their style of filmmaking yeah. or anything yeah, it's something that is just um, kind of employed and then kind of dropped. It just feels like it's something, again, it feels like something that's being done to be dynamic and to be visually interesting and to keep a sense of movement. But I, I do think... It's not really coherent, I guess. Yeah, and, and I, but I do think there is something interesting in that early segment with the animal kind of metaphors where you have the idea of, you know, first of all, you have obviously uh, the, the Inrula kind of are introduced, like, chasing rats and kind of catching rats and hurting rats and then later on you have you know he's brought in and he catches the the snake and they're like get rid of the snake kill the snake and he's like but if the snake wasn't round you'd just be overrun with rats the snake has a purpose even though you think that you're even though you want to kill it or you see it as, as something useless or monstrous which again kind of reinforces the idea of how this community is maybe kind of exploited where, you know, they again, they're introduced catching rats, just like the snake is introduced catching rats. But you also have this recurring shot that I find very interesting of the village with the owl. The owl on the branch just kind of watching over the village and the association that you have almost with the police officers, where when the police officers show up, you have the close-ups on the owl. And that gives the impression that are, are the police like predators that are kind of like preying on this community which is kind of again it's it's not something i think the movie ever really connects or ever really coheres in fact as you say all this stuff is dropped very very promptly once we actually get to introducing shandru and it kind of becomes his movie or at least a movie that he is the co-protagonist of but i find that sort of stuff at least in the early going interesting because it feels like it's a an interesting way of approaching this thematically which is this idea of these communities that exist as part of the larger fabric of Indian society, but which are demonized or marginalized or treated as less than uh, because of their kind of class association. I mean, there's that wonderful moment where after he's heard of the snake, when your man offers him money uh, and then or is the president offers him money and he politely declines and says, oh, well, it's just a service. We all help each other. And then he just takes the money and drives off. The president just takes the money and drives off after his wife gets offended at the implication that they are in some way equal to one another. Um, like, those sorts of moments work really ne- well. Next, you'll be saying we're related. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, yeah, you're you're not from the village. Like, yeah. you're kind of associating yourself with us. He's kind of implying some kinship. Yeah. Which I think that sort of stuff works well and to the movie's credit. Um, but I think there's not enough of it and i think it's not consistent across the movie's kind of length is is an issue um but yeah and and i mean i i like that stuff that builds up the family dynamic there i like as you said the kind of love story that you have with the two of them i like the attention that the movie pays to like just the day-to-day life that they have and and obviously not just the experience of prejudice that they have from the upper cast but also things like the fact that he has to leave her to go to work or the fact that they can't afford to build a house with proper brick walls. And so the wall collapses uh, during a rainstorm. 
and the fact that like this is just an ordinary reality this is just how life is that they don't expect that they will ever have a chance to settle even before this terrible thing happens to them like the idea that it isn't just this one bad thing that happened and if you solve that everything will be fine it's like no the life that they're forced to lead the the circumstances in which they find themselves and the way in which they are exploited and kind of treated uh is is kind of like a broader systemic thing and this is just what actually happens or what ultimately happens is just an extension of that i think that's a very interesting way of approaching the subject um but yeah i i do think that for me when the movie starts over it gets a little bit much in terms of length it's like this if if you want to tell that story tell that story but it's like you tell 40 minutes of that story and then we're at the barricades and we're kind of we're joining this super cool lawyer and as as somebody who studied law i just want to say i do appreciate a movie that makes a lawyer look super cool I think this is possibly the coolest that any lawyer has ever looked in any movie it's yeah it's what made me feel like a problem with the inaccuracy <laughs> lawyers aren't cool like this although like darren is <laughs> I, yeah, i've seen I darren, darren leap over cool. guardrails every day that's just how he enters rooms um like darren starts You're cool in your own way darren. <laughs> um when when we when you and I discuss podcast ideas, I'm always walking through corridors in slow motion, throwing my jacket over my forearm as I slow as I round a corner in slow motion. That's just the way that I roll, baby. When I'm standing in rain, I'm always kind of backlit, uh, and I look like a model. Um, but yes, yeah, no, I I feel like I kind of admired that, and like that. I I guess then this is the time to talk about the kind of like formal stuff where, like, I like the weird tension that comes from you're making what is effectively a courtroom drama and a courtroom drama is like as we discussed it's it's the kind of like the the you know 12 angry men model it's the model that feels like it should be like a stage show you know you have actors who are in very fixed positions on a standing set you've got like lots of heavy dialogue you can't really, there are only so many ways you can position a camera within that setup. The layout is very open. There aren't necessarily very interesting ways of constructing a scene or composition within that space. And I kind of love that, like, J-Bim does that, but it also, like, constantly has the camera moving. There's never a moment in this movie where the camera is still even during the kind of, again, the courtroom disposition scenes, the courtroom statements, the banter back and forth. Like, it's always, like, dolly sideways, push, zoom, crank, God's eye view, slow pan, push in, pull out. Like, I kind of love the application of a style of filmmaking that feels more suited to action movies than it does to a courtroom drama to courtroom drama i kind of found that aspect of the film interesting well, it it's kind of fetishizing um the fight for human rights yes um kind of where 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 the kind of ideals of um uh, justice and equality have have um have replaced um you know, uh, violence and yeah. like uh, fast cars and um, monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> but yeah, no, like I kind of, I kind of like the application of that sort of like again that very stylized, very hyper action kind of focused approach to something that is again this this thing that is often presented in movies as very abstract and very like philosophical. Like as somebody who's like, yeah, I love the idea of the law. This movie feels like it's desperately attempting to find a way to make that sexy. Um, as you said, kind of yeah, like, it's very kind of popular. Yeah, which I kind of admire. And again, I don't know if I admire it because it works, or I don't know if I admire it because I haven't really seen it done before, and I admire the idea driving it. I'm not sure in terms of like whether it works or not, or whether it's just something that is a good idea that I've never seen done before. Like, did it work for you? Did you did you find any of that stuff interesting, or was that the part where you were like, "I'm out, check, I'm I'm done." Like the 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 form. Yeah, the, well, the form and the the application of it to those scenes. So things like the cross examination or the statements, where the camera will be constantly cutting and you'll be panning across the crowd or whatever, or you'll be pushing in on him, or you'll be getting the low angle hero shot on him as he delivers his kind of questions, where it's like, um, tell me, is it on the left or the right of the police station? Zoom in. No, it it, it left me a little cold. Okay. I guess personally, I didn't. I didn't warm to this movie especially okay i i i can appreciate on some level what it's doing and you give a very good kind of account of it but uh, in terms of my own experience no um and just in in terms of kind of other stuff that kind of jumped out at me i because it's weird i didn't love this movie but it feels like i am playing kind of defense for the movie in this conversation but i i quite liked and again this is the thing where I worry I'm just looking at it through a lens of a guy who likes movies rather than a guy who is actually moved by the movie that he's watching. But I quite liked the, almost the mystery, the procedural aspect of it. The bit where I'm a, we talked about this in the podcast before, I'm a sucker for a good montage and I'm a sucker for a good montage about a guy doing, or a guy or a lady doing work. Yeah. Like the bit where he, the sequence where, for example, he's figuring out where the payphone call came from to um the to the the guy operating or the kind of the, the business operator where getting he, a list and circling that, numbers it, off of a list checking it like a montage of like excuses that he's giving when he's ringing up the wrong numbers like scenes of a guy looking tired but then pushing a number on a phone anyway this is like Darren's like I am suddenly into this movies don't contain enough of this stuff anymore I have to go to stuff like Better Call Saul to get this on a weekly basis yeah, I mean, I mean, what what legal basis does he have for making those phone calls? <laughs> it's um, it's wrong according to the law. Um, <laughs> but like, but uh, but it is it's 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 uh, it's okay though. <laughs> you can break the law sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I mean, to be fair, he he is primarily doing what you would expect, like an actual private investor. Again, this is the like. Shandru is almost superhero where he's like he's not just the best lawyer he's also like the best unlisted private detective operating in kind of you know in India you expect him to have like tricks where he like fools metal detectors with like chewing gum wrappers and stuff like that you expect like that's the kind of stuff that you almost expect at one point where it's like and like he the fact that he goes on the expeditions himself and the fact that he's like, the fact that he's checking like the tire. Uh, no, actually, to be fair, he doesn't check the tire no. print. I think it's the police inspector checks the tire print as well. But like, I'm, I love like the procedural attention to detail here where it's. And again, 
it feels bad that the stuff that I'm praising is like largely unrelated to the social commentary of the movie or what the movie's trying to say. It's more just formal stuff. But I, I love like those montages and how serious the movie's committed to the idea of like, well, this is how they did it. This is how they figured it out. This is how they solved it. This is how they reasoned or kind of figured out what was going on. Where it's like, no, look, we, we did the prints, the, the shoe prints match, the, the tire tracks match, and here's a, a photo showing that we took a photo and we compared it to the tire tread. Like, I love all that stuff, and it's the kind of stuff that I feel like I don't get to see often in movies these days. Which, again, is the kind of thing where I feel like I'm being maybe a bit generous to this for reasons of nostalgia rather than other, rather than anything to do with the movie itself. It's a bunch of formal stuff that I associate with movies that I like from when I was younger that I don't see very often these days. You know, I don't know. Apologies, I needed to open a window. No, it is it is quite <laughs> toasty. Um. It's very it's it's very muggy, but this is a very muggy movie. <laughs> so it feels um, appropriate. I, yeah, I, I feel like um, India is a country that looks um, beautiful in terms of like the color. And all of the kind of culture and different kind of uh, languages and religions and kind of literature and everything. Music, of course. But the climate just really puts me off. <laughs> I know that's a very boring thing, but um, it's like the the um, the heat and the rain. And the humidity. I, I, I quite like Irish weather. <laughs> like... It, <laughs> Well, apart from when it's unseasonably hot as it is at the moment. Um, as it is at the moment, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, Thank you. I'm quite a, um, quite a, te- I'm a big fan of change. temperate, uh, I'm a very big fan of temperate kind of uh, Irish weather there as well. Um, okay, but, okay, so setting aside the formal stuff, some of the more, an interesting argument that I've... Thematic re- stuff? Or? Yeah, thematic stuff then. I mean, I guess an interesting argument that I've seen made about the film is that it's basically making an argument for intersectionality uh, within Indian culture and particularly within the Indian civil rights movement. And again, it's worth noting, as we said, this is a movie that has been internationally distributed that was in many ways kind of built to be internationally distributed. Again, you'll notice the Sony logo at the start of the film as well, uh, much like the Disney's involvement in, say, Dangal. The fact that it was picked up by Amazon and made available worldwide on Amazon as well. Um, the fact that it's gotten the push that it has as well. But even even little things like the logo uh, of the film, where you have the closed fist, the eye is turned into a closed fist. Uh, which is a piece of iconography that is is very relevant at the moment or certainly has like connotations globally at the moment associated with things like, say, the Black Lives Matter movement. And again, kind of digging into like Indian culture and in particular the civil rights movement uh, in India where there has been a huge push for minority or disenfranchised rights uh, in places like uh, Tamil Nadu, also specific, often specifically tied to like Dalit culture. Um, so you've seen an explosion the past 30 years, for example, of like Dalit literature um, and Dalit filmmaking as well in like from the mid to late 90s through to the present. Um, but what you've seen is the emergence of things like, say, Dalit History Month, um, which is explicitly modeled on 
Black History Month um, in the United States. So Dalit History Month is, I believe, April. Uh, Black History Month is obviously February as well. And that was kind of pushed in 2015 by a six-person team um, of, of kind of individuals. And here, what you have is the taking of a slogan that is predominantly associated with a jurist who is himself predominantly associated with a particular subculture and, and kind of class um, rights within India and basically finding a way to try and make that more universal. So, and again, one of the big arguments about the film is that it makes J-Bim a chant that had been associated with a particular class uh, and in honor of a particular jurist, that's Ambedkar and the, the Dalit cast. Um, and kind of like saying that no, this idea. Why? Why no? It's kind of, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yes and, and as opposed to no and but. Or, you're right. That's fair. Yeah. And saying that <laughs> like, that's very. They, fair. I don't want to stop kind of Dalit history <laughs> no, one. Presumably, no, no. They, 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 that it's it's that every there's a line in the movie. It's there. There is no night that does not see a dawn. And like every um, one of us who are kind of downtrodden or kind of disadvantaged um, have um, hope and can kind of fight for our, uh, uh, one's rights, I guess. Yeah, that's it. And kind of making it, again, making it intersectional. It's the point where, as I, as I kind of alluded there, the fact that, again, this is released with imagery and iconography that we associate with like civil rights movements outside of India. Well, there's also a lot of Marxist stuff. Yes. Uh, and it's worth In noting the... as well that Chandru was a member of the Communist Party uh, of India. That's Marxism. Like, during his student days, um, he was, again, he was, he was, he became politically he active. He has a portrait of Marx. Yeah. There is a, there is a statue as well in his room, but I can't, I couldn't tell. I think it's Marx, but it could, it, it, it may... I may have, uh, it may have been of Rabin Dorat Tagore. Either they, 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 they both have the kind of you know large hair and 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 beard. But I, 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 I think in the um, in his hallway there are both, yeah. as in that you have. I think you have Marx and Bedkar and um, uh, uh, Tagore. Who's the Sligo connection, by the way, to the to this movie? He was who was a friend of Yeats. There's a statue of uh, Rabindranath um, Tagore in um, in Sligo on Wine Street, oh. where the Gaiety Cinema is. Oh, okay. Um, he was a the Nobel um, Prize winning uh, Indian uh, lyricist, and I, 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 I think the first yeah the first non European. To win the Nobel Prize for Literature, won it in 1913. But also wrote 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 not only the Indian national anthem uh, Janaganamana, um, but also the Bangladeshi national anthem, the um, Amar Shonar Bangla, and also inspired the Sri Lankan national anthem, uh, which which would some some people claim he was the 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 principal author, even though he was he was a a, a critic of national anthem, uh, sorry of of nationalism. He was a writer of national anthems. <laughs>
No, like you're entirely right, and that's very, very deliberate as well. I mean, you know, again, you mentioned the kind of the bus there, but he also like he participates in workers' protests. He talks about the importance of protecting workers. He's holding a red flag, I think, in one of them as well. Yeah, he's putting up notices for the Communist Party as well. Stalin again, praised the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Um, Different and I Stalin. Mean, there is all, even Stalin. Um, he, he gets, Stalin gets to be right. You know, what, it, stop clock is right. The worst person you know made a good point. <laughs> not the Onion article. Um, but like, you joke about Stalin there, but like, it's notable that like, when um, Shandru is kind of like, reading the newspaper at the end of the movie, there's apparently a bust of Vladimir Lenin on the table in front of them as well. Uh, which is again, None too subtle. Some commentators have suggested that it's a sign that Marxism and Leninism is the way forward. Um, but I do think it's more just acknowledging the fact that, again, that, that Shandru's politics um, and his philosophy were largely rooted in kind of like that, that leftist communism kind of movement in India, like from the 1970s. He's talked about how he was, you know, inspired or kind of like driven to the law and to advocate for these communities by incidents like the, and I apologize for this, the Kizevamani massacre of 1968, in which 48 Dalits were locked in a hut and burnt, allegedly over landlords, over a wage dispute. He's talked about how, uh, when he was a student, the enacting of the the emergency by Indira Gandhi, uh, in which she famously, like, locked up many of, like, her opposing politi- politicians and took control of various industries um, through the threat of, kind of, like, locking up the people or the journalists or anybody who would stand against her. Um, uh. That these were what kind of, like, motivated Chandru to become, like, an advocate for civil rights, for the protection of civil rights and the protection of these... Sorry. I think, Sorry, yeah, I, I think M.K. Stalin mentioned how he was, how he had been uh, imprisoned, and and how this movie kind of reminded him of that time where where his his um, I think it was his friend had 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 died in police custody, um, uh, and I think that was during the the nineteen seventy eight kind of emergency as well. Um. And again, like, because we mentioned it there and because we are doing a season of Jaws movies this week, so starting Monday through Friday, I do love that the closing image of this movie is a Jaws reference or feels like it's a Jaws reference where you have (laughs) almost innocuously, almost out of nowhere with no real context to it, um, a moment where Shandru and, and the little girl but the little girl is mimicking Shandrew, where Shandrew's kind of like reading the newspaper and crossing his leg, and he looks over, and the, the girl is kind of like reading in the newspaper and crossing her leg as well, in a scene that's very cute, but feels like it's an odd button for the movie. It feels like something that maybe, you know, again, I realize it couldn't have happened with the child earlier in the movie, but it feels like maybe a similar sequence should have happened. It's, a, it's an odd note on which to close. I guess it's like a crowd-pleasing moment, but it's just... So it's a it's a strange beat because it it reminds me very much of Jaws and slight spoiler of a similar moment in Jaws the Revenge. Yes. So it's just interesting that I've been watching and talking about these movies and it was like, yep, yeah, even at the end of this movie that kind of pops up. I found that very interesting as well. Um and apparently um that scene uh was taken from Shandrew's uh real life. Um, it was a. It was not the daughter involved in the case that inspired the movie. Um, it was a young woman named uh, Sasikala, 
Um, but she was basically denied entry to a uh, private college um, without paying a fee. She was asked, she was basically, she was given uh, admission to a private college through a government quota. But when she got there, the administration backtracked and insisted that her family pay a huge fear, a huge fee. Um, so Shandrew took the case on her behalf, but he allowed her to live with him. Um, she moved into his house almost like a second home. He was like a father to her. And he said that apparently like when he was watching the movie, that sequence was one of those moments that reminded him of like that time of his life kind of in the 90s, uh, which I find kind of very cute, that, that small human moment. And it feels like the movie could almost use more of those small human moments in its second act. Like, I feel like it's very good at the start setting up the two characters and making you feel the love story there. I feel like when you get into the, the meat of it, like, I don't know if Shandrew ever feels like a person um, in in the kind of middle of the movie. I don't think it's until the closing scene that he feels like a fully formed three-dimensional, like, person rather than, I guess, a living... And I, I feel really bad that I'm saying a living saint because by all accounts the real-life Shandrew is, like, a living saint. He's a remarkable figure. But he, the character in the movie doesn't feel real or three-dimensional, or at least to me, until you get that final scene. That's kind of just an odd thing for the movie to close on, I guess. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's 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 a nice it's a nice scene. It it is maybe an odd way to 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 end it, but but it. I mean, it, it's it, it it's about kind of a um, hope for the future generation, and I I I think they're savior by an an educated kind of um, lawyer, and her Ali's burgeoning kind of um, admiration or kind of mimicking of. Um, Chandru speaks to kind of the 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 real future of um, of of that tribe. Well, that that hope that that thing that you said, where the you know he, the the rest will follow, read and the rest will follow. Exactly, exactly. Because it, it it's it's um, it's taking away a um, kind of like a, a it's removing stigma from that community, and that's not just about taking away their reputation as thieves like Chandru says there are, there are thieves in every community it's it's about um it's about being you know um lawyers and judges and doctors and everything else like that. um one more thing i want to mention just before we wrap up then i quite liked how the period piece attention to details here in particular the idea that the attorney general has a windows 95 machine in the background of his office complete with an old windows screensaver where the logo kind of bounces around the screen with the pixelated trail behind it um as somebody who remembers windows 95 i was like that is a really good period detail that you don't see very often in movies so i salute this movie for so effectively recreating 1995 did did you have um what did you go with i i i think i would go with scrolling marquee a lot. <laughs> i used to no i just i used to have the old windows logo, exactly what that screensaver was the one that would bounce around the screen with the windows logo right so you never that was, you, it. I was very uncreative i went with the default yeah, I'm colored strictly within the lines, Andrew. That's exactly what I did. I played by all the <laughs> rules. Um, 
And I, I would kind of, and in terms of other like 250 nonsense that we normally do, um, again, I like the the injurious to health warning that cigarettes have whenever they appear on screen. Yeah. In particular, like, I love that it's like in the depth of frame as well. Like there's a sequence where in the in the bottom left-hand corner, that little warning about how cigarette smoking is bad for your health, which, which is grand, appears on screen. And there are several sequences where I had to look around the screen to figure out where the smoking that was bad for my health was occurring like where i could be taking like you know inspiration from and it would be like in the background of the shot one of the extras like has a cigarette in his hand um i actually love the attention to detail that goes in there i assume it's statutory i assume it's one of those things where if you don't do it you'll get fined so there's some person whose job it is to go frame by frame through the movie and go yep warning 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 no warning 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 I f- yeah i like that I don't like the kind of sexlessness of um, kind of Indian movies that there, there, there's that there's very little kind of like that there's no there's no kissing there's no love making there is there's a scene where like a skirt gets torn off but there's there's or like a, a, that's also a horrible scene a, 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 yeah no no it, 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 I'm 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 not saying like. I'm not saying it ought to be titillating, but that there, there is there, there, their standards for nudity are very um, kind of like um, uh, severe in every case. Um, that 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 she's somehow wearing clothes when, when 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 she um, gets kind of stripped of what she's wearing, which is which, um, which is a bit weird, but it's just like a kind of a product of their. Um, but I do like. As you say, the 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 kind of warnings. I think a lot of Hollywood movies could do with the "don't drink and drive" kind of. Yeah, that's that's a new one actually. That's the first time I think we've seen that. When we've seen smoking and we've seen warnings about alcohol consumption before, but I think this is the first time we've seen a "don't drink and drive" warning in this context, which is interesting. And just worth acknowledging as well, just because you mentioned kind of women there, it's worth noting that, and again, in terms of intersectionality, uh, Ganevel co-wrote the script to this uh, with his wife, uh, Kritika, who did not receive a screenplay nomination, but she apparently assisted him. Um, And he said, basically, he made the argument that if women are suppressed, J-Bim is their slogan too. Our silence is criminal. That's what I wanted to say in the movie. So I quite like that it's he's making an argument for a truly kind of inclusive, progressive social justice movement. I think there's something commendable in that. Um, and like for all our criticisms of the movie, I, it does seem like it has its heart, its heart in the right place. And I guess that kind of oh, absolutely. The in in terms of our normal nonsense as well, I can't think of a Robocop uh, reference. Robocop reference. I mean, it's a movie uh, uh, with gratuitous um, police violence. It feels like that kind of lends itself. There's a, it is a gratuitous it, Robocop reference, but to the Irish police officer who was known as Robocop after uh, he was, you know, videotaped doing excessive police violence. And was it, what, during some, what was the protest? I can't even remember the protest. Oh, yes. Rob, Rob, Robocop. Yes. Was, 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 was it the, like, G... 20 or like NATO kind of um, or something like that. It feels around that time. It's around the time. I remember that there was a while where every apocalypse movie had footage from those protests and it was like, hey, Dublin experiences the apocalypse too. I remember remember being at my brother's um, kind of conferral when he he became an an officer and one of his kind of... um, commanders was um 
I don't know what rank he was, but he was some kind of um, <laughs> high up anyway. He was saying, oh, you all must be very proud. It's like, and then he looked at me and he was like, oh, you look more like one of those <laughs> like G20 <laughs> protesters. And my uncle was there and he said, you should have seen him before we clean him up. <laughs> um, uh, or, but yeah, sorry, that was um, the May Day protest in, in, in 2002, the Reclaim the Streets. That's that's what right. gave us. So I would argue that, yes, there is a, in, a Robocop reference, just not the usual obligatory 250 Robocop reference. In, t- in terms of food waste, there's him spitting out food. There's also like putting perfectly good chili powder. Um, as using it as, a, as an instrument of torture, yes. <laughs> Exactly. Which is yeah, bad yeah. for two reasons. It definitely counts yes, as food bad waste. for two. First <laughs> of all, it's torture, and torture is terrible. Second of all, it's food waste. Um, two important reasons. I, yeah, I mean, there are moments where, like, there, again, there are moments where it's it's again, again. I worry, like, it's it's. I don't want to criticize it too much, but there are moments where it's like it almost seems kind of comic or cartoonish. The level of like horror and violence that these police officers are inflicting where it's like no matter how much we beat them they don't confess i don't know what else we can do um or like the the shot where like before he kills before he kicks your man in the chest breaking his rib and puncturing his heart the police officer like pops an aspirin you have that moment where he steps outside and pops an aspirin and like there are moments where it feels Mm. almost weirdly cartoonish in a way that doesn't quite gel they're torturing the kind of um, uh, lovable kind of uh, comic relief. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're hanging him from the like ceiling the, and beating him. The, yes, like Mosakuti, I guess. I think earlier on is kind of like you know he's like a sort of like yeah. a mascot or whatever. He's the sweet innocent um, character. And yeah, they're just like beating the yeah, and they're yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right then. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already with regards to this movie? Um, no, I guess like down with police brutality. Um, yeah, I, I feel like if the two fifty hasn't made its position, dare to take the power into your hand. <laughs> I feel like if the two fifty hasn't made its position on police brutality uh, evident, we are against it. Um, but yes, um, and yeah, again, commendable cause, uh, very worthy movie, and very sincere in what it's doing. And I think deserves some credit for that. All right, then. What we do at the end of the podcast is we ask both of us, I guess, to recommend something for listeners, something we're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings you joy in this world. So, Andrew, what are you enjoying at the moment? I recommend a few things, a couple of movies and an opera. Um, I'll recommend, because it's also on Amazon, and because it's like a 10 out of 10 uh, King of New York, it is class. Love King of New York. You saw that, I think, last yeah. year, did you? Like, I remember yeah, I think it was 2020. But it's like a, a bell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so good. I need to see the, like the rest of that guy's movies, like Bad Lieutenant and... Stuff like that. <laughs> also, I need to watch Bad Lieutenant Protocol. New anymore. Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't need to watch them in order. You can watch them in any order. They're not really connected. <laughs> it's not part of the shared universe. Um, there's not a moment. Spoiler alert for Bad Lieutenant Protocol, New Orleans. There is not a moment where like Nicolas Cage comes home from a bender and finds Harvey Keitel sitting on a couch saying, "I want to talk to you about the Bad Lieutenant Initiative." <laughs> 
But um, yeah, it's it's Christopher Walken as um, this uh, gang boss in in New York. Um, it's uh, it's terrific. Um, I don't want to say too much because it's it's just it is, incredible. It is, it's phenomenal. It's a movie I like, love. Watch the hell out of it. <laughs> I want to know what "watch the hell out of it" looks like. We just make you know, <laughs> pop several bottles of wine. You don't want to be getting up in the middle of this. You want to have them ready. Um, it's class. Get the cheese popcorn out. All right, sorry, and and so you had a couple of recommendations and, there. Yeah, the um, the the opera is uh, Satyagraha, which is uh, Philip Glass. It's about the the life of uh, Gandhi, but it also features references in the first act to um uh, Tolstoy um in the second act to uh, Rabindranath uh, Tagore who we mentioned and in the third act to Martin Luther King but it it's a it's it, it's all sanskrit and it it's kind of wind instrument and i think brass it's the the um it's the the um all the sanskrit is taken from the Bhagavad Gita oh. It's probably in in terms of the the biographical operas that um, Philip Glass has done, where there's kind of Akhenaten. I want to say Einstein on the beach, but I'm going to sound like an idiot. Okay, uh, Einstein on the beach. No, no, yeah, you're right. Einstein on the beach, Satyagra, and and Akhenaten. I'd say Akhenaten's my favorite, and uh, Satyagra is probably second. Um, I do like. Uh, Einstein on Beach from time to time, um, uh, and and then my third recommendation um, is um, a Hidden Life, the the Terence Malick, Malick oh. b- movie. That the 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 kind of start of the movie reminded me a little bit of it because the start of a Hidden In Life in its presentation of an almost idyllic kind of life removed from society or removed from like exactly horrors of society i guess is probably the best way to describe it and then the turn in 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 that movie into a story about courage because it's 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 about a a a kind of a conscientious subject um objector um it's about franz jägerstatter who is a a farmer an austrian farmer who uh, refused to fight for the nazis but it's the, the, the a hidden life is a, a a line that comes from Middlemarch George Eliot's Middlemarch that I tried to read recently, but I found I always find those um, sort of nineteenth century or Victorian kind of um, novels um, depressing, and I can't continue with them. Uh, they're uh, I. Uh, their view of romance where people kind of marry like the obvious wrong person for reasons that are stupid. (laughs) Um, You know, you, 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 like, you know, you're, you're used to people marrying people for kind of um, like passionate reasons, but they, they all seem to like choose people for sensible reasons. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, Darren's like, I don't Um, see anything wrong with this. It seems like a perfectly good match. That's not how this works. Anyway, they, 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 it's stuff like the, like like that and kind of um, uh, Wuthering Heights that I I, I, I really I, dislike I, Wuthering I, Heights. Like start reading and not be able to continue. 
Um, I finished Wuthering Heights because it was on the Junior Cert curriculum, but I loathe that. It was on the Leaving Cert curriculum. I was meant to do it, but I refused to. I (laughs) I did Into the Heart of Borneo instead. There were several situations like that in school where we had something that we were meant to do and I just did something else. (laughs) Like, I, I remember telling my English teacher for the Junior Cert like a week before. It's like, I, I was reading Ho Chi Minh's prison diaries at the weekend and I want to I want to answer the question, <laughs> the poetry question on that rather than WBAs. <laughs> She's like, just do whatever you want. <laughs> at this point, I've kind of accepted it, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, feel like yeah, there's a novelty to that where it's like when you do, like, it's when you do history and you get the, Osco, the Austro-Hungarian Empire question and it's like, you know, the marker has never... It, has only seen like two or three of these answers in their career. Well, the comparative literature question doesn't depend on you um, having a um, having read a particular like uh, uh, work, you know, as in, I think for the for the main text, you have to have read Hamlet yeah, have or yeah. something or something else. It, 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 um, I think I think I think the other main text that the other class did was also a a a, a, a George Eliot. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, um, there was a line <laughs> from Middlemarch, which was for 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 the growing good of the world is partly dependent on on historic acts, and that things are not so ill with you and me that they might have been is half owing to the number who live faithfully a hidden life. And who rest in unvisited tombs. So it's like these kind of normal people who who do extraordinary um, things. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it it won the the um, it won a number of prizes at 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 at, at Cannes. I think the the Francois it, it, these interesting prizes that it, that made me kind of look at the other winners. Where it's like the Francois Chalet Prize for Life Affirmation. And journalism, and the prize of the Which sounds ex- very much like an Andrew Andrew Prize. <laughs> yeah, the the other one I like was the prize of the Ecumenical Jury, which awards uh, works of artistic quality which witness the mysterious depths of human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew's like, I have that's, a reading list now. That's going to um, be yeah, my 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 film season. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, then. In terms of, of recommendations for myself, I don't really have anything particularly tied to this. I mean, I did like um, And Hatun um, and uh, which Rachasan um, and the recent kind of horror film that we covered last year with Joey, uh, which I can't tell bad. So if you are looking to sample Indian films, if maybe this wasn't your speed, assuming maybe you even listened to this podcast episode not having watched JBIM at all because maybe we weren't particularly enthusiastic uh, or unreserved in our recommendations, um, I liked those three Indian films better. I know, Andrew, I think you have a soft spot for Dangal. I think Dangal is maybe your favourite of the Indian films we've covered so far. Possibly. I like Dandatun. Yeah. Um, I... um. I know Tumbad was more my speed, and I get the sense Ratchasan was probably more my speed as well. Um, in that those are much what? more genre exercises and kind of horror films. I'm trying to remember what Ratchasan was. That's now. the serial killer musical, serial killer movie with the music box. Oh yes, 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it all, it all just came back. All at once. Like all at once. <laughs> like all, all every aspect hours, of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, wow. I was just, that, that was intense. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you just relived the entire three hour uh, movie. Seriously, uh, like all that nut stuff just like flashed into my mind. Just, like, yeah. like rapidly. Yeah. And all these <laughs> images. I was like, ah. <laughs> I completely repressed the fact that I watched that movie. Um, but yeah, so if you are looking, if you have watched this, uh, if you like Jay Bim and you want to try other Indian movies, or if you didn't like Jay Bim but you want to still try some other Indian movies, or if you didn't watch Jay Bim and kind of continue with the podcast anyway, uh, those three movies. So Andhatun, Tumbad. So Andhatun is basically a Coen Brothers black comedy. Um, the it's very t- good. Yeah, I think everybody, I think Giovanna didn't like that one, I think, because it felt very Western, which is a very fair, probably a fair criticism of it. Um, Tumbad, which is a completely bonkers, um, weird supernatural horror uh, with demons and cool stuff going on. Um, and then obviously the, the movie that we referenced with his Rachasan, which is what happens when you try to cross like a serial killer procedural with some of the language and rhythms and tempo of Indian cinema. Um, I liked all three of those movies. In fact, I probably loved all three of those movies and would wholeheartedly recommend them. Uh, other quick recommendations for myself. Um, because Jordan Peele's Nope is in cinemas this weekend in the States, um, I rewatched his uh, Austin Get Out, and I think I like those movies better than Andrew, but I recommend both of them. Recently rewatched Alex Garland's three horror films, which are uh, three movies, which are Ex Machina, Annihilation, and Men. Wholeheartedly recommend those. And if you are in the States at the moment, uh, you can watch Crimes of the Future, which is David Cronenberg's new body horror movie. Ooh. Dave Deprave Cronenberg is getting back to his roots, so to speak, imagining a future in which, and I quote, surgery is the new sex. Um, but yes, I wholeheartedly recommend that. I had a really, really good time with it. It's Cronenberg kind of working through his own uh, kind of reputation and legacy as a director. It's a movie largely about the idea of what it means to like put something out into the world and to like make something from yourself without understanding what it is or what its purpose is and whether or not you are responsible for what happens when that goes out in the world or whether or not your responsibility stops as soon as it is cut from your body. Um, so it's very much a movie about art from an old artist. I really liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. Viggo Mortensen's in it. Uh, Kristen Stewart's fantastic in it. Uh, Lea Seydoux is very good in it as well. I would wholeheartedly uh, recommend checking that out. All right, then. So, as we mentioned earlier, um, we are doing something that is, frankly, bonkers uh, this week. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed that we managed to not only do this, but also get this edited in time. All the episodes are in the can and scheduled to drop. We are covering... All four Jaws movies this week to mark Shark Week, as celebrated by National Geographic, running from tomorrow through to next Saturday. So we are covering, we are re-releasing our first episode covering Jaws. Then on Tuesday, we'll be covering Jaws 2 with the fantastic Jess Dunn. On Thursday, we'll be covering Jaws 3, aka Jaws 3D, with the fantastic Joey Kyo. And on Friday, the sensational Jason Coyle will be joining us for Jaws for the Revenge. And our co-host through all of that, uh, the inspiration for the season, the person who came to us and proposed this idea, is Emma Kylie. She'll be joining us for that discussion. And it was Andrew who was like, you know what we should do? We should do all four of those episodes in a week. Um, 
So yes, we will be covering all four of those episodes. There we're, be we're getting no money <laughs> yeah, from National Geographic, no, we're just, Discovery Channel, yeah, we're or just, Disney Plus, or anything. No, we are just. I think we're trying to piggyback off their success. I think it's <laughs> we kind of attached ourselves like some sort of feeding shark to a tank. Um, and then next Saturday we'll be doing. Sh- <laughs> They're like. Hey, yeah, 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 you you attach your um, hitch your wagon to us. Uh, you gotta you gotta eat too. How how much money are you making on this? <laughs> it's like oh no, oh none, <laughs> um, nothing. And, <laughs> and then on on Saturday we'll be wrapping up our Shark Week coverage with some Shack Week coverage. I'll be covering Shaquille O'Neal Ready for the Shack Attack. Shack Attack, baby. Um, in steel. And joining us for that discussion, the amazing Graham Day, the fabulous Niall Glynn. The problem with running through so many guests so quickly is that I occasionally run out of adjectives to describe how amazing Thanks. they all truly are. And 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 hosting all of those episodes, the incomparable <laughs> Darren Mooney. And the orgasmic Andrew Quinn. I am very tired. I don't know why that was the adjective that popped into my mind, but it did. Take care, Andrew. Listeners, we'll see yeah, you on Monday. Yeah, check it. Check us. Um, um, if you're if it's one of those one podcast apps where it's just played a random thing and you've never heard this before, then subscribe. Oh yeah. Um, and or, um, review. Yeah, leave a review. We we pause while people review. Give an, have an awkward silence. Thing. Yeah. Take it out now. Yeah. Borrow a friend's phone and subscribe. For, for and, them as well. It's like it's like getting them yeah. a Christmas present. But you know what? It's free because we don't make any money off this. If you're if you're setting up your relatives, uh, your elderly relatives' phone, <laughs> like, set it up to download. That they won't even know it's exactly. there. Exactly. Um, Automatically. Yeah. Um, I will say actually, I think I mentioned this to you. Listenership is is interesting. People are listening. It is very odd. It is very disconcerting. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take it easy. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.